Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. Pagan, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thank you very much. How are you? Super awesome. We are recording on a Saturday today. It is November 13th. We are joined here by Storm Fairy Wolf, a good friend of Chaos and Shadow, amazing author. Just hung out with him all weekend last week for the Witches Sabbath. Storm Fairy Wolf, welcome back to Chaos and Shadow. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, it is an honor. It is it is so much fun to sit down and talk with you. Uh, we're going to talk about your upcoming book today, The Satyr's Kiss. I believe that's scheduled for a spring release. So we're going to get all into that fun. We're going to talk to folks out there about an upcoming kind of trance workshop that's going to uh, sit on one of our Seance Saturday segments. So for folks out there that want to mark their calendar right off the bat, November 20th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We're joined by Storm live on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Paranormal. Put that all in your notebook. We're going to be joined to do awesome trance work because Storm, that's something that I want to say that might have been my first exposure to you was doing uh, the trance last year at Witches Sabbath. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about how you got into trance work and, and, and how it's so impactful to you? I got into trance work. <clears throat> Honestly, the, the my first experience, or at least my first conscious experience with trance work um, was, well, I have to give you a little bit of background. Please. I was probably 12 or 13, and um, I was very interested in the occult. My mother was a recovering Catholic, so that was not something to share. I got tarot cards um, clandestinely, and um, eventually... I started saving up my lunch money instead of buying lunch. I would save it up. And then I, one day after school, I took, I took it all. And I went to Mervyn's, which doesn't exist anymore, but um, for old people like me who remember Mervyn's, um, it was like a department store that had like basically everything. It was basically like a target kind of almost not quite. And, um, but they had, you know, clothes and toiletries and, and, and housewares and Ouija boards. (gasps) And so I bought a Ouija board. And um, I used it by myself, you know, even though everybody said, oh, never do it by yourself. Um, But I did because I had no one to do it with. And I found out fairly quickly that by doing it, I was falling into trance. I had an experience where I lost maybe about four hours. I was sitting on the couch and I was doing the board. I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, And I just tranced out. The next thing I knew, I was slowly waking up from trance. And I realized I had been bobbing my head like up and down, like just nodding my head for who knows how long. And then when I finally came into full consciousness, I was like, I just lost four hours. I knew I didn't fall asleep. I mean, I was sitting upright, you know, and then that nodding my head thing was weird, but it was what taught me how easy it was for me to slip into altered states of awareness. And so that was really, for me, the beginning of my trance exploration um, I know that I had been after that, I had been led through various trances, um, you know, like meditation CDs and, and things of that. Although probably way back then it wasn't CDs, was it? It would have been cassettes. I'm <laughs> yeah. really dating myself now. Um, but um, but yeah, I just became fascinated with it. And then I started just experimenting in my first actual coven, which was me and um, a couple other young women. Um, we would just experiment and. I realized that I was pretty good at getting other people into trance states. 
And so I just started, I, I had a certain confidence about that. It was like, oh, that's my superpower, right? You know, oh, I can, I can lead people into trance states. So it kind of just all started, you know, growing organically from there. Um, I want to say maybe it was God, 2005 or maybe 2007. I don't even remember. Um, I was invited to take part in um, what we called fairy camps um, or fairy retreats for Anderson fairy tradition. And this, um, I was accompanied with um, Thorn Coyle, who, who actually organized them, um, Anar, who's the grandmaster of the fairy tradition. Um, Michelle Jackson was one of the people. Karina Blackheart. And so we all got, got together and kind of did a rotating teacher thing. Um, and I found myself leading larger groups now um, than I could just at my store, you know, and that really also taught me that this was something that I really needed to be doing. And people kept giving me good feedback about my voice and wanting me to record meditations. And I'm only really just now, I mean, I've kind of recorded a couple, obviously you guys came to the witch's Sabbath mm -hmm. this time. And, um, I had a, a trance journey that I recorded, you know, for that, for leading people to the Sabbath. Um, but there's a lot more coming because a lot of people have been asking me over the years and I've just been the typical Pisces. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll work on it a little bit. And oh, shiny thing over here. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm going to go do that now and whatever. So it maybe my productivity has not been the best, but um, but I'm getting there. I'm getting a little bit more organized in my old age. So um, but that's that's kind of like my history with trance. I love trance. It's something that anybody can do. In fact, any anybody and everyone does it all the time anyway. You know, uh, it's just really about learning how to be conscious of those shifts and those trance states and then being able to use it for something. But if you're watching TV, you're already in a trance. If you're driving your car on a route that you are quite familiar with, you're already in trance. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I've actually missed my exit yeah. when I've just been trancing out, like looking at the moon or whatever. I'm like, wait a second, where am I now? I've totally like <laughs> driven like, how is that possible that I dri drove into a place that I don't even know and didn't wasn't aware of it until it was too late? You know, that's happened to me a couple of few times. I'm, I'm only slightly embarrassed to admit. I, I'm taking, um, But yeah, so trance is just something that I just I, I love. And it's something that I also feel is kind of at the foundational um, level, you know, of our our cultism, of our craft. You know, we have to learn how to engage trance states in some form. I'm so glad you you lined it up like that storm that you just jogged like a, a dozen different things in my brain. But it, it is this idea of, of trance <laughs> states. Um, and it, it, when you said that about driving the car, that made me connect some dots with um, some of the kind of like Mothman style reports where people say they're they're driving and, and go missing for time. And and it's a question to me about what what does trance states yeah, yeah, allow yeah. our mind to do? Really, like you said, when we take can kind of control of it and really lean into it when we we start acknowledging what what's happening what sort of magic does that unlock and that's why i wanted to ask you just randomly off the cuff about what got you in to trans states i'm so happy to hear that there was like a ouija board spirit board sort of connection in there but you start off these two witches sabbats with those great trans states like you said and i think that's absolutely magical because like it was said when it was being queued up and as it was playing, we're taking people from their homes virtually to a spiritual gather sort of place where mm -hmm. we're all interconnected in this way. And you setting the stage for that, you giving us that big trance on a Friday and then taking us home on a Sunday. I think that's mm -hmm. absolutely special. And I'm so glad that you guys have that to start of the Sabbaths. 
<laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it just made sense because, I mean, obviously that's the, the same thing is happening when you're having an in-person gathering. You know, when we would go and do those fairy retreats that I mentioned, you know, we're still, we're kind of, our opening ritual is all about kind of setting the space and the intention for the whole weekend, right? Because you, if you're having this multi-day event, you want to have that golden thread. You want to have something that makes it cohesive, you know, brings it together. And you want to remind people also that we are between the worlds. I mean, that's half of witchcraft anyway, is that, you know, when we cast our circle or we summon our crossroads or we, um, you know, lay the compass, you know, that, that, that these are methodologies to shift our consciousness. We're reminding ourselves that we are no longer solely anyway in the physical world that we are impacting the spiritual world. And, you know, there's many different ways that we could describe that depending on culture or tradition, but just in a nutshell, you know, we are, um, um, reaffirming, you know, to our, I would say our fetch to our primal soul, to, to our subconscious understanding that we are actually in this magical space, you know, between the worlds. And when we affirm that, that reality to our primal soul, that enables us to be able to tap into those powers in a deeper way. More so than if we're just, you know, stuck in our ego personality, which often yes. will question all the crazy stuff that we're doing, right? Well, yes. That's not real. That's not science. <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it doesn't need to be science. You know, we're, we're focusing, I mean, a little bit of the craft is part science, you know, yeah. um, you want to take notes and you want to figure out, did, did this work? Did this not work? Right. Um, so that part is science, but it's, it's really, for me anyway, it's mostly art and, um, and inspiration. You know, I, I'm less of an academic and I'm more interested in what, um, might be considered like the shamanic core, you know, of certain practices. Um, you know, and so that's kind of more where I am. And and trance states are really for me. It, it's it all hinges on that because when we get into those states of awareness where we're more permeable, you know, we can open up more. We can we can now enter into a type of um, usually nonverbal communication. I will say with the spirits of the land of the herbs that you're working with, of the stones, uh, your spirit guide, your familiar, you know, whatever. We have to get into a space where we can be receptive and actually listen. And if we're just stuck in the ego, we're not going to hear that, you know, because the ego is just like, oh, it just every only stuff that's real is the stuff I can touch and the stuff that I can see with my eyes. And we know scientifically the universe is way bigger than that, that our ability to perceive is so limited compared to you know just the universe i mean if we even just think of just light we can only see like this i mean we call it the visible spectrum for a reason and if you look at it it's like it's this much of this grand thing you know infrared or ultraviolet that's just talk for you know that it's almost like that's just the 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 label that we give it because we don't we can't perceive it directly you know it's it's not something that we can actually see um, I often wonder like, what would life be? I, I just recognized that, um, like my husband Chaz was telling me we, we raise chickens mm-hmm. and apparently chickens have way more light cones in their eyes than humans do. And so they can see more colors than we can see. And that is like tripping me out right now. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, I, I want that implant, right? I want to, I want to know. 
what is octarine? You know, I want to be able to see, you know, uh, those colors, but, um, but there you go. We're limited. Right. But in trance, we can then kind of open up and begin to perceive things outside of our normal perceptual limitations. Right. And, um, and so that for me is at least part of what, trance offers it gives us an opportunity to start to move beyond our supposed limitations and maybe then enter into concert or allyship you know with other spiritual um intelligences that can kind of take that reach further you know that's one of the things that i think in a lot of occultism we will work with certain spirits because they can reach farther than we can Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the fairy tradition, we work with the watchers, these kind of some people call them fallen angels, right? They're getting all <laughs> sassy about it. But um, and one of the things in our lore says they they invoke that which we cannot. Right. Oh. So they just have a farther reach. Yep. But it's through entering trance, altering, shifting our awareness because they're always here. You know, the other world is always here. It's part of this world. We just don't focus on it because we wouldn't really able to get anything done. We'd probably go insane. If we were just right. open to it all the time, that's just mm-hmm. too much. I think of, you know, people with um, autism that mm-hmm. have just too much. It's like, yes. you've got to calm it down. Yeah. And, and psychically, the same thing can happen if you're too open. You know, you can really just get so, you know, filtering is also a good thing. That's what a lot of people will focus on shielding and protection magic. Mm-hmm. And usually they're kind of, I will say, I, I don't focus on protection a lot because I feel that. There's not a lot that I necessarily have to protect from. I'm not approaching it like it's a big, scary thing. And um, but you want to be safe. You want to be smart about it. And so you do want some level of filter because it's just too much, you know. So and that was one of the things I remember um, Lori Cabot would talk about. That's why she said witches wear black because it's very protective. It's a filtering color. It's a shielding color, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and then that has worked for me. You know, I, I feel it's very shielding, you know, and so I will often wear black when I'm doing a lot of my magical work. Um, for, you know, for that reason, and we're all anyway, wearing, I'm going off on a tangent. This is a 100% the tangent. I want to be down because I yes. personally <laughs> agree. And, and, and I want to talk about that protection aspect of it too. There's so many parts I want to pick out all at once. I will just say I very much feel similar, Storm, and I want to hear some more of your thoughts, if you're okay sharing, about that less of a need for protection feel. And and why I wanted to have that conversation Mm -hmm. is I feel similar to what you just said. I'm someone that doesn't approach it like it's scary. That's not to say there's nothing out there that could get you. I know everyone has their own opinions and all of that. Mm -hmm. But I do come at it from this angle that you're going to find what you think you're going to find. So if you're sitting at home and you're hyping it up and you're making it scary, I wouldn't be surprised if you contact something scary on the on the flip side. But yeah. I'm also oh, the absolutely that if you're going into it like, hey, I want to have a, a good, enlightened conversation with good intentions, that protection isn't necessarily the route I want to hyper focus on because I don't want to shield out the stuff I'm actually trying to pull in. So could you maybe share some extra thoughts on that storm? Well, I do think that, you know, one of the things about trance is that we, like I mentioned before, we become permeable. Right. And Mm -hmm. so on one level, we might look at that, Oh, permeability. That means I'm vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and Oh, that, that means that I'm extra um, susceptible perhaps, Mm -hmm. you know, to outside influences. And on one level that's true, but if that's just the only way you're going to focus on it, that sounds kind of scary. Doesn't it? It's like, Oh my God, you're really putting yourself at risk. 
And I'm not here to say you never have to do protection right? and you never have to do grounding or any, any, any of that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm saying you don't necessarily have to focus on the protection from a space of fear. You know, it's, it's not that, oh, my God, everything out there is out to get me, you know, necessarily. Um, but you do want to be smart about it. So mm-hmm. I, I will kind of think of the reality of what I call astral wildlife, you know, and it's not that they're out there. They're evil. You know, everybody's got this weird, oh, everybody, but, you know, a lot of people have this idea of like, oh, the de- there's demons and the demons are evil <laughs> and they're out to eat you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I do believe in demons. I've worked with demons, but I don't really feel demons in that way that they're like, oh, just this mm-hmm. evil. Because that's just to me that that's so just pedestrian in yeah. terms of thought, you know, it's just like, oh, it's good and it's evil. Like there isn't anything else. What's a wild lion? Right. You know, is the wild lion evil? Well, yeah. you know, it, it, it ran into a village and it ate a kid. Oh, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But is that evil? I mean, the, the lion was like, yay, easy snack, right? It wasn't like <laughs> malicious. If you want to talk about evil, you have to talk about humans. Yes. Humans you know, and evil. You know, that is just come oh. on. And evil, I mean, I, the idea of evil, I really resonate with, um, the late Victor Anderson, of course, he's the, I will talk about him a lot because um, he's the the founder, the late founder of um, the fairy tradition that I practice and teach. Um, but he had a definition of evil that was simply life force that was twisted, you know? And so if, if somebody was labeled evil, it wasn't necessarily a moral absolute, mm-hmm. you know, it was more of a condition that perhaps could be healed. You know, it was a weakness. It was a sickness. It was a corruption. And so those are things that we wanted to heal. And so um, there is mythos in fairy tradition that really talks about having compassion even for evil, because it's only through compassion that we could hope to heal something. And and you're not going to heal some something or somebody if you just have contempt for it. You know, so so I kind of approach the universe more as less of, oh, there's like these evil things that are out to get me. But there are dangerous things. Mm-hmm. But I will say that for the most part, if you're brand new, you know, to witchcraft and to occultism and magic, um, you're pretty much good. You're you're not for the most part, you're not going to bump up against those things. Now, some people have certain innate talents and, and they're easier to connect, you know, that, with things than others. And so there's always the possibility. So I think being cautious, you know, is a good idea. I think that um, paying attention to what folklore has told us about certain things. Again, I mentioned being of the fairy tradition, right? It's right there in my name. Um, But, you know, a lot of the folklore about fairies is how to avoid them or how to protect yourself from them. And so you want to pay attention to that. I also think part of that is um, Christian propaganda because... A lot. I mean, people say, oh, yeah, in the pre-Christian days. Well, you don't really know exactly what was going on in the pre-Christian days because Christianity happened way long time ago. Right. Right. Um, You're you know, European pagans were colonized a long time ago. And so there was a lot that was lost. And I do feel um, that a lot, I mean, not all of it, but a lot of the um, practices around fairies and avoiding them is really Mm fear-based and i do feel a lot of that can be traced to the christian overculture who's really trying to detour people you know from engaging in anything unless it's you know 
Jesus on the cross, right? And so um, now that isn't to say that, oh no, they're, it's free for all and they're fine. And, you know, they're, they're always going to help you. And, you know, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is you still want to be cautious, but maybe you don't need to let the fear paralyze you, mm-hmm. but you're still going to be cautious because these are still beings you don't know. You know, I wouldn't just, I don't know, walk into some bar that I've never been in before and just randomly start, you know, I don't know, talking to people. I mean, I don't know. You, you want to be like aware. You don't want to like act a fool. You know, I'm not going to go to that bar and just be crazy and, right. and like read people's beads or whatever. I don't know them, you know, <laughs> you know whatever. I'm going to be opening myself to a lot of, you know, danger perhaps if I'm going to go in there and act like a jerk. Um, so if you're working with the Fae, you probably want to be respectful, right? That's one of the things that really often comes up is if you are going to work with them, then you want to make sure that you are being authentic, that you are being respectful, and you follow certain prohibitions um, because they do operate differently, you know, than we do. There's a lot of lore about working with the Fae. Um, their witchcraft and fairies are inextricably intertwined. There, in my mind, there is no way to practice witchcraft and not have some relationship with the Fae. Um, here's a here, newsflash. You can think you have no relationship with the Fae, and yet you do. Yes. If you're working magic, you do. This doesn't necessarily mean the Fae in terms of like, oh, the little people of Ireland. You know, no. You know, that is like one little slice, yeah. you know, that culturally has really taken off, you know, whatever. But every culture, every culture has had a relationship with what we might call the Fae or the little people. And sometimes they're not so little. You know, sometimes they're giants, right? They're beings of power. Um, some now today might refer to them as ultra terrestrials, Ooh, right? And I do feel like the Fae experience and the UFO experience is really <laughs> part of the same thing. You know, um, it's this other world experience, right? It's just now it's like, oh, it's UFOs because now we live in a technologically dominated society. And so that's how we're going to perceive it. But it's permeable. It comes through our lens. And I think, um, Kyle, you mentioned before talking about like the Ouija board thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, yeah, and you, you were talking more specifically about like, well, if you're approaching it from fear, you're going to kind of get that. You get what you expect. Right. Mm-hmm. And we get what we expect even on a subconscious level, maybe especially on a subconscious level, because, again, like the personality could say, oh, I'm fine. There's nothing. I don't believe in this, whatever. But maybe your subconscious does. You know, you were programmed at an early age and you kind of have these beliefs that you don't even know you have. And so now you're going to use that Ouija board. And now the devil is going to talk to you (laughs) through the Ouija board. Right. To me, that is so obvious that that is your shadow. Yeah. You know, that is, you know, the first thing that happens when we start working with like psychic development exercises and all that is our shadow comes up. I can't begin to tell you how many people I knew in my youth that when I was first getting into all this and like our group was getting into all this stuff and you know, whatever, there was a particular friend of mine who literally it was like every day they were under psychic attack Mm. and they were telling these elaborate stories and how they were being psychically attacked and, you know, all the measures that they were taking in order to protect themselves. And we were all very concerned because, of course, I could see that she was distressed. I could see that the emotions were real and I had no reason to disbelieve her. But after a while, it became like, oh, really? Again? You? Why, why are you being singled out for this? You who's not really, 
you know, doing anything, whatever. And, and I do kind of feel like sometimes it is a, a, a cry for attention. You know, that's one thing also leading events as I have done, you know, for a lot of people, I've noticed that there's a certain personality type that just screams, look at me and take care right. of me. And, and these are the people that if you're doing like heavy trance work, they have trouble coming back. And, and not to, not to get down on everybody who has trouble coming back because that can be a legit thing, but, but that's also a tool. Sometimes I feel that people use maybe subconsciously in order to get attention because they feel like in life, they're not getting enough attention. And so you're at this event, you're doing some psychic stuff and oh, now they're having trouble coming back and you're trying to lead them back. And now everyone is like, Oh, we're helping you come back. And on one level, that must feel really good, right? Because now everyone's paying attention to them. And so at some point I stopped being so nice about it, you know? And so if somebody is having trouble coming back, then cold water in the face, it works. (laughs) Wow. It's, it's not mean. Here's a towel, you know, whatever, but you know, that's, that's what you get from me now. I'll do a little in the beginning. Let's try to talk you back. If that's not working cold, cold water in the face, an ice cube down the back. Um, it works every time. Yep. And I guarantee you, you're not going to do that at one of my events in the future. Um, after that. So, you know, You know, but that that's that's a thing. I feel again I have gone off on a tangent. No, no, no. We love the tangents. (laughs) This is exactly I'm like the king of tangents. Well, but this is where Uh, we want to be. You've put together so many interesting threads that we've been unraveling for the past year, but especially the last couple months. Uh, when we had Devin Hunter on, we did the ESP workshop with everyone and talked about very similar ideas. Um, just last week, we interviewed Peter Biebergall, who wrote this great book called Strange Frequencies. And our chat uh, got into this idea of finding a space of enchantment. Because Pagan and I are also people that aren't looking to prove one thing or the other. We don't have an answer for folks. But what we do want to do is explore and revel in this mystery and this phenomena. Like you mentioned before, fey encounters and UFO encounters have a lot of similarity and overlap. So what does that do for your brain when you can go into this land of enchantment? I think there's so much power in getting yourself to that state. And I'm hoping in our trance um, session that we put on for say on Saturday that we can work on something similar. I mean, this is all up to whatever you would like to do with it, Storm. We, we'll keep chatting about it. But I know for me, one of the intentions I'd love to have is kind of a um, exposing our chat, our audience to the idea of using trance work to enhance your connectivity out there. Because every mm-hmm. Saturday, mm-hmm. it's Pagan, myself, and our amazing viewers and listeners that are coming together and just seeing what doors we can knock on and who might respond. Yeah. Whether it might be a watcher angel type of feel or it <laughs> might be what we consider a traditional UFO sort of situation. Uh, we're always just looking to see how we can make it a safer experience, a healthier experience and kind of a more fun exchange. So I hope that kind of also yeah. give you a little bit of a setup for it. I, I love that you said that it, sh- it should be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I yes. mean, it doesn't always have to be like fun 100 percent of the time, but in general, it should be fun. It should be something that, that enlivens us, that enriches us. You know, um, a lot, a lot of times we'll talk about the work, you know, especially in that Crowleyan way, you know, like the work, the capital W work, which I'm totally a fan of, but at the same time, where's the joy? 
Uh-huh. You know, um, so um, one of my peers, you know, Karina Blackheart, um, who's a fairy initiate and she teaches uh, on the East Coast. Um, she was at one of those fairy camps that I mentioned, and she was talking about we have this prayer that comes from Victor Anderson um, about about our God soul. You know, in Blue Rose, we call the Holy Daemon, um, but in, um, is often called um you know, the, the flower spirit or the bird spirits, your higher, your higher self. And there is a prayer from Victor called the flower prayer. And it goes, who is this flower above me? And what is the work of this God? I would know myself in all my parts. And so Karina was talking about that, about how, uh, what is the work of this God? Well, after a while, if you're doing this work a lot, it starts to feel just like that. It feels like work. Yeah. You know, and if it just feels like work for too long, maybe we need to do something to mix it up, to liven it up a little because we need to be engaged. You know, we need to find the joy. And so she started experimenting, just changing the language. You know, who is this flower above me? And what is the joy of this God? Knowing full well that it's the same. But if we're approaching it as joy instead of the drudgery of work, suddenly our relationship changes. And that's true magic. That is deep magic right there. That's the magic of poetry. It can change how we feel about a certain thing. You might think, oh, this is absolute. But if we change our perspective, we change how we're describing it, we therefore then change how we feel about it, our relationship to it. We can now see things that we weren't able to see before. We can start to get benefits that we didn't even know were there. And um, so that's one of the magic, I think, of the craft. You know, Starhawk said that um, witchcraft is a religion of poetry, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of people in the modern age think, oh, well, what good is poetry? You know, poetry is just something ephemeral. Poetry holds our world together. Yes. Poetry enables us to describe. And I'm not just talking about stanzas that rhyme, although I personally love that. I know it's a little <laughs> low, low brow, but I totally love the sing song rhymey. Mm-hmm. Probably every interview I give, you know, people ask about where, how'd you get started in witchcraft? And I always talk about Bewitched because I was two and I was watching episodes of Bewitched. But, um, <laughs> but they would do their spells in that sing song rhymey. And that's straight up European. Um, paganism, by the way, right? European witchcraft is full of rhyming cantrips and spells. And um, and I just love it. I get into that sing song kind of like, ooh, get the rhythm of it going. And and that's where you get the power. You start tapping into the power. Um, so I, I just love it. But, you know, people think, oh, well, poetry, what is poetry? You know, it's just something like almost like academic, like it's not going to affect like the real person. And everyone is affected by poetry. And it doesn't have to be just, you know, words, you know, I think that, you know, you know, dance and art is a type of poetry. It's it's a way of viewing the world. You know, it's a lens through which we view the world. And it's not literal, because literalism can only take us so far. And not that I'm saying literalism is bad. We need the ego, we need the academic, we need the rational, um, but we need to also be able to step outside of the rational to be able to perceive a little bit more, you know, the universe. Again, we have that limited perceptual field, right? And so the visible spectrum now becomes like the metaphor for rational thought, knowing most of the universe is outside of that. You know, and so what do we do? We have to go outside our comfort zone. We have to go outside of our rational mind, but we must be tethered. You know, we must be able to come back and we must be able to bring that information back with us in a way that we can actually use. And that's a tricky thing because we're talking about vastly different 
um, areas of consciousness. And when you go really deep into that, so I also call the state of enchantment, you know, by the way, um, that state where we are connected, we're outside of our ego. It's a state of ecstasis, ec- ecstasy. Um, when we're touching so deep and then we come back from that deep place, often we forget. We're like, what just happened? Oh, I can't remember. It's like when you've had that really deep, intense symbolic dream and you come back, you're like, oh my God, that was amazing. And I have no idea it's gone. Right. Um, That's why keeping a dream journal or doing dream work is so important because it helps to train us to be able to take more and more of that and retain it. You know, um, when, when your ego mind is more aligned with, um, your primal mind, your primal soul, um, then you're going to be that much more likely to be able to bring back that information and, and first of all, remember it. That's the key. Remembering is one. And then two is, can I put this into motion? You know, can I actually do something with it? It's so funny that you were talking about the whole finding joy aspect of (laughs) and separating that from work. And one of our seances, one of the beings that we connected with um, has been appropriately named Harold. That's what it calls itself. And at one time he told us to go find joy. And, you know, in today's world, that's a little difficult. We're not exactly sure how to go about that. Like, what do you mean by joy? Is it the fleeting joy? Like, what joy is it? And so that's very interesting that you put those together because now it's like, oh, well, maybe we should separate the work parts and seek out the joy and change up what we're asking in that way. So that's really interesting. It kind of reminds me in its own little way, and I'm not saying it's the same, but it just reminds me of um, something I read many years ago from Deepak Chopra. And um, he was talking about the goddesses Lakshmi and Sarasvati. And of course, Lakshmi is basically in a nutshell, you know, the the goddess of wealth and prosperity, abundance and, Mm -hmm. and Sarasvati, the goddess of wisdom. And I'm just distilling that down for the Mm -hmm. sake of conversation. Right. (laughs) And, um, and so he had said, oh, well, if you pursue Lakshmi, so if you pursue wealth, um, she will elude you. But if you pursue Sarasvati, if you pursue wisdom, Lakshmi will get jealous and then she will pursue you, which I thought is pretty awesome on one level. On the second level, it's also kind of patriarchal. And and I'm just like, (laughs) what? What's going on? I need to make, you know, women jealous now. But, but, But I think, but, 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 but if you distill it down beyond like the humanized aspect of that, because we're talking about gods, deities, they are not humans deities are not role models they are forces of power and they can inspire us but again they're not role models we're not going to do what they do um but i did like the idea that like oh no the the meth the the moral of the story is pursue wisdom you know don't go into it thinking oh i'm gonna i need money 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 oh yeah we all need money we live in a capitalist society (laughs) yes at least still right now, we're not at Star Trek yet, you know, but, um, you know, so pursue wisdom, you know, it's like, do what you love and the money will follow is mm-hmm. kind of the, the adage. And I know it's not as simple as that, um, but there is an element of truth to that. You know, if you find joy in what you're doing, you can even find joy in the drudgery sometimes, you know, and that could be harder. Um, but, um, but if I can find joy in scrubbing a toilet, somebody else can find joy in something just as 
you know, icky, you know, whatever, right. whether it's your horrible job or whatever, there's something you can find joy in. And, yes. and maybe, maybe finding that joy inspires you to get a better job. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's not about just accepting your station either. I'm not saying that, you know, but there is something to find joy. In. Even if it's just, I woke up this morning and I'm able to breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, I woke up this morning, I looked outside and I could see the trees. That is something that I have joy. I'm going to count my blessings, right? Mm-hmm. There is something so profound actually about that as a practice, which I know sounds kind of schlocky. It's kind of like, you know, eat, pray, love, you know, whatever, but it's true. <laughs> you know, if you count your blessings poetically, you put yourself in that enchanted state where you're going to be able to actually see your blessings and appreciate them. Because I think a lot of life is us just not appreciating, you know, what's going on around us. It reminds me of that little exchange, you know, the color purple. I think it pisses God off when you walk <laughs> by the color purple and don't notice, right? So. I love that so much. I love it. It's great. <laughs> I, I kind of want to continue this conversation of, of joy, especially Pagan. I'm so glad you brought that up because Storm, you have me wondering if when we're getting something through that's telling us to find joy, if in some ways it's even asking us to maybe reevaluate the process of what we're using to connect. Because I would bet Pagan and, and even some of our audience at times felt that, um, well, we were kind of hyper-focused on this Halloween energy and, you know, bringing in all the enchantment of fall um, that we were, you know, trying to knock on these doors. And I wonder if it ever felt almost a bit mechanical to them that, you know, every Saturday we were meeting to do this. And when it's coming through and saying, find joy, I, I do wonder if we were kind of being sent a message of remember to shake it up, remember to change up that that follow Mm -hmm. that bliss that you have, because that, that state of enchantment, that state of um, ecstasy or, or shifting, becoming malleable in that sense. I I wonder if that's where some of that extra magic lies and it gives me ideas for the future. And I I think we're already on Mm -hmm. that path with having you in storm to talk about trance work and, and to be talking to folks about getting into that state so hopefully in that way, we are therefore doing some of the work, uh, just expanding our minds and trying something outside of the every week routine. And, and I think just um, recognizing that joy itself is spiritual, mm-hmm. that joy itself is magical, that just enjoying something, even something mundane is a spiritual experience because there is no separation between the spiritual and the so-called mundane. You know, everything like is that. sacred. Everything is profane. And, um, you know, and, and I think that's a tough thing for a lot of people who were programmed, you know, growing up in a monotheistic society in which a lot of religion is not joy, you know, right. um, and I'm not going to get down on all of Christianity because, you know, there's parts of Christianity that are beautiful, mm-hmm. that are healing. Some people are really doing the good work through Christianity. Um, I know some of these people, you know, um, it's just a shame that like the political machine, like the the American mega churches. They're kind of like the evil corruption, you know, within Christianity, and they have to work that out on their own, you know, like, you know, witches can't help them with that. Um, um, But I think that just enjoying, you know, whatever it is, again, it doesn't have to be, um, I don't know, it doesn't have to be overtly pagan. It doesn't have to be um, a cult, you know, Um, I love Star Trek. Yes. Star Trek brings me joy. I, I will always, you know, bring, bring Star Trek references and into what I'm doing. Um, that is a way to have a vision of the future, a positive vision of the future, 
you know, and I think that's so necessary that we have to have that vision. We have to have that dream that we could be better, you know, uh, and, and to see it in, in, in action. And, and I think that Star Trek has brought that, you know, Star Trek is famous for having liberal values, despite what some people on Twitter, you know, will say, <laughs> um, um, but it's, it's something that brings a lot of people joy. And so that can become part of your religious mythos, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just as serious as if you were using ancient myths, because Star Trek is just a modern myth, because that's what myths are. They're stories that speak to the soul. That's it. One of the goddesses that I work with is Wonder Woman. I've been a devotee of Wonder Woman since I was what, four? I have to, I have to check the, I have to check the math. When did the TV show come out in the seventies? I was there because, you know, I'm, you know, old as the hills now, you know, in terms of in, in the gay world, I'm ancient. And so I remember I was there, but yeah, she, but she's a legitimate goddess. You know, I feel that, and I've written on this before, she is the goddess Diana, but in the modern age, and she has new stories and, you know, new things to contemplate. Um, but it's just as real as anybody working with like the Morrigan or Hecate or Isis or whoever, you know, it doesn't matter that, you know, oh, this was an ancient culture and this was, you know, somebody making a comic book. What exactly is the difference? There isn't really a difference. And a lot of the old classical mythos, you know, that we read, that was redone. A lot of it for political reasons. A lot of it was done for entertainment. It was plays, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and things. It was the same thing. They just didn't have TV. You know, that was their TV. Yeah. You know, and yet these are stories that stand the test of time and that speak to people, you know, their soul. Um, I'll say again, Wonder Woman. There's some really good stories there that really speak about deep, important issues of the soul. You know, um, compassion is often something that comes up in those stories. So I want to say to all of your listeners, if you haven't um, considered comic books as a source of legitimate spiritual wisdom. Um, guess what? You have a whole world <laughs> that's waiting for you. That is, that can be open for you. And if you feel a little silly about it, that's okay. One of my lessons is, is to help people become more comfortable with silly. Mm-hmm. I think silly is so powerful mm-hmm. because once we accept silly, um, we really get out of our heads. We're no longer concerned with how do I look? You know, we're so usually concerned. I would say just in gay male world, you know, we're so concerned with like, oh, how do I look? And I want to present (laughs) right and whatever. And um, but if you're silly, it's like all bets are off. You know, you're not trying to impress anybody, not even yourself. You're just having a good time. And that's when I think the magic actually happens. That's when we're actually able to touch something deeper because we're no longer confined by our ego. All that ego chatter that's telling us we have to edit ourselves and be presentable and, and be taken seriously. You know, there was somebody on, I don't know, probably I'll just blame Twitter. It was probably Facebook though. <laughs> um, but um, somebody, somebody had said, I don't know. I wrote an article and, and somebody shared it. And um, somebody said, Oh, well, with a name like storm fairy wolf, I just can't take him seriously. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, I that. <laughs> why, why do you think that I'm trying to get you to take me seriously? I mean, what, what about me, you know, says I want your approval, you know, um, sure. I think I did like at one point, you know, I, I wanted people to like me, 
you know, we all want people to like us, you know, but at some point that becomes too much work and it becomes the antithesis of our inner work. And, and so at some point, you know, it's like, you just have to let that go. So, you know, taking my name, Storm Fairy Wolf, um, which on one level is, it's ridiculous. I get it. You know, I, I, depending on how you look at it, it could be absurd. For me, it's actually a deeply um, um, spiritual conviction. And so I don't necessarily see it as silly, um, but I can see where others will. And I enjoy that, too. Part of it was also I thought, oh, with a name like Storm Fairy Wolf, it's going to be hilarious when I'm like 85. I can just imagine being 85 years old and just being old, you know, old gay guy named Storm Fairy Wolf. I just think that's kind of crazy and laughable and, and delightful. Um, so that that was part of it, too. I do talk a little bit more about how my name came about um, in, in my next book coming out, which is The Witch's Name. Because I have two books coming out, yes. um, it, one in March and one in May. And um, but, yeah, I, I talk about how I how I became, you know, Storm Fairy Wolf. And it, it's, you know, it was a legit series of experiences. And, and I have this name to remind me of those experiences and to remind me that I've made a pledge to kind of stand outside normal society, that I am a warlock full time. You know, I am here to do that work. Not just on Instagram, you know, not just on, you know, Fridays in front of my altar or whatever, or at a coven meeting, but every single day. I'm Storm Fairy Wolf every day. I get mail to Storm Fairy Wolf. You know, I get bills to Storm Fairy Wolf, you know, because that's the name that I use. I, you know, there's also another permutation of my, of my legal name that I've used for, you know, other stuff. But for the most part, you know, and everybody just knows me as Storm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how, that's just how that works. Um, because that is a powerful spell that I cast upon myself to shift my consciousness. I, I made a choice to leave my birth name, which I felt was never really mine. You know, um, I was named after my father. <clears throat> my father and I don't really get along. We haven't spoken in many years. Um, I wish him no ill, you know, but we're not really, you know, we're not friends. And um, but I always felt like that was his name. That wasn't my name. And so all my life, I was kind of on a journey to find my true name, you know, and eventually I did. And of course that's my public name. There's other, I have other names for, you know, certain traditions that I've been initiated into. I have, you know, a secret name that's just known to me and the gods, you know, so there's different things. And I talk all about that kind of process in, in my, my next upcoming book, the witch's name from Llewellyn books. So um, we need to talk about this plug. Please, please plug away because (laughs) that that is what I was going to segue into anyway. So the witch's name, we got that for a March release date. Is that right, Storm? Yeah. So, you know, um, supply chains notwithstanding, because I know that that actually has affected um, the publishing industry. So there are a lot of books that are coming out late. So I, I was told that I will know as soon as they know. You know, um, but everything looks good right now for a, a um, it looks like March 8 is the release date for the witch's name. And then I have the Satyr's Kiss, which is coming out May uh, of 2022. So it's going to be a, a interesting couple months there. Um, boom, boom. A couple months, but a good couple of months. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to do it again. You know, <laughs> having two books at the same time. That's what I did on my pandemic lockdown was um, <laughs> write two books. And I got delayed, of course, because we ended up we had a brick and mortar store mm-hmm. that was actually there for 30 years, more than 30 years. And we had to close it in June of 2020 because of COVID. And because we knew there's no way we're coming back from, from this anytime soon. 
Right. The the rent was astronomical as it was. And if I wasn't doing any business, there was no way I was going to be able to pay that. So we made the decision to close. It was actually the best decision I think we ever made. Oh, really? Um, Good. It was really, yeah, it was actually really, really nice. We've been able to kind of pull things back. We rebranded. Yeah. Um, the old store was the Mystic Dream. Um, so we let kind of let that branding go. And um, now we're Datura Trading Company. And we've included um, plants, as you can see behind me. And there's a whole bunch of plants. And this is such a small selection. The rest of my house is a jungle. Um, but we sell exotic plants. Um, we're part of the Save Our Species program, which means that we're actually raising plants that are endangered in the wild. And so to kind of help make sure that the species don't die out. Um, so we're really happy to be participating in that. Um, but I just love plants. I, I, I grew up with a lot of plants. And um, I love the feeling of like being in a forest and it really kind of lifts everything up. Just having some houseplants, it does, it's that life force. It brings that cleanliness, that life force, that joy. You know, for me, it's one of the ways that I'm able to tap into joy is just being around greenery. Mm -hmm. You know, it does just kind of cleanse my soul. And if I can't go anywhere, because we're still on lockdown, you know, um, you know, I, I have to be extra careful. My mother has some health concerns and I'm the one who lives closest. And so I'm still not really seeing people if I can avoid it. Yep. Um, I barely go to the grocery store, yep. you know, um, but, you know, so I can't go. I would go on these rider retreats. We'd go to the Russian River like every May, you know, whatever. And I'd be out in the Redwoods. You know, we would wow. rent this house that was like right on the creek and had a hot tub and you just basically I'd be in the hot tub. And then and if I wasn't in the hot tub, I'd be writing and it's surrounded by the redwoods and everything. And that's how I renewed my soul. And of course I can't do that right now. Mm. And so, um, but we've been putting a lot of effort obviously into filling up the house with plants and we've been selling plants and, <laughs> you know, tending our trees. We've got a lot of trees on our property for a, living in the suburbs. It's kind of crazy. Um, but it, it's like having the retreat here with me. So I feel very blessed. We're back to that lesson, right? Count your blessings. I wake up in the morning, look out my window and I can see my trees and I can see, um, the chickens and I can see the flowers and it really does bring me that joy. And, um, so I, I feel, I feel, I feel very blessed. I am so happy to hear that. I'm very happy to hear that the closing of the Mystic Dream store, uh, physical brick and mortar, was was a positive change too. Because mm -hmm. during the pandemic, I mean, that stuff hits so close to home, and so many people, you know, setting up those those many year businesses like that. But seeing you transition into Detour Trading is is really awesome. Because we saw Devin tweet about it for a while, you know, gathering all those plants during the pandemic, and then <laughs> yeah. the announcement that hey, yeah. we're actually going to be selling and 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 doing all of this. Um, um, I have one of the Ouija boards behind me from Chaz uh, on the mantle that people have seen me whip out and use before. So really, really great stuff at Detura Trading. I put a, a link in chat. Oh, We're going to make sure we we get that out to our members. Now, Storm, thank you. Thank you very much. We're kind of reaching our time limit on the main episode here today. If you've got a little bit left uh, in your agenda, in your schedule, we'd love to record a little bonus thing for our members here yeah. towards the end because we can go. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. We can go a little bit deeper yeah, in some yeah. of these books, maybe talk a little bit more about the witch's name, talk about the satyr's kiss a little bit further. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, I love the tangents you brought up. Like, yes. you just took us so spot on in the direction I wanted to be anyway without oh. knowing it. I feel so fortunate that you feel that way. So thank you. <laughs> I also want to pick your brain about a theory that I have. Oh. That, well, actually, it's my husband's theory. Ooh, about, okay. Uh, 
writers and how we actually inspire mythologies. So, oh gosh, yeah. Oh, I have the, I have some things to say. Ooh, yes, that's I good. Do. I like it. Yes. Okay, so here's what we'll do. We're gonna everyone that's listening to this on the podcast feed. We are going to close this out to people that are watching us live on YouTube. I will just run a little end screen, but we're gonna stay around um, to the people in this call. We can all get up and take a five minute break if you'd like. <laughs> Uh, get up, stretch your legs. But again, to those that are listening at home on the podcast, make sure you go. You can pre-order Storm's books now. The Witch's Name, Crafting Identities of Magical Power. Also, The Satyr's Kiss, Queer Men, Sex Magic, and Modern Witchcraft. Go pre-order those. March and May release, respectively. Storm, this has been an absolute blast having you on for this. And thank you so much for for chatting with us in a few minutes. Uh Members out there, go listen to your bonus feed now. Go subscribe to Storm. Mm-hmm. Twitter. Yes. Storm, where are all you active? You got your Twitter account where we talk a lot. Instagram. my preferred. Um, a little bit on Instagram. I don't do a lot on Instagram. I have a, um, I don't really like Zuckerberg. Same. And so I'm not so much on Instagram, not so much on Facebook, but I am on those places because you kind of have to be to some degree. Yes. But Twitter, Twitter is my favorite. I'm on Twitter. Um, I technically have a TikTok account. I've posted nothing. I will just watch. I, I just watch funny videos. I, I'm not there. I'm not there for witch talk. I'm there yeah. for like funny comedians and whatever. Again, finding that joy where you can get it. Right. Yeah. Um, but tw- Twitter is where I'm at mostly. Um, yeah, I would say find me on Twitter. Storm Fairy Wolf. That's right. Storm Fairy Wolf on Twitter. Go find Storm on Twitter. Tweeted him about uh, Star Trek things. My favorite thing to do is guess which episode you guys are rebinging at the time based on like a vague <laughs> something you'll put out there. And I'm like, I know this is Voyager season four. So I love it. Love that. That's love it. my joy right there, everybody. Storm, thank you again. Everyone out there in chat, thank you for joining us. We will be back in just a minute with the bonus episode. Look forward to Storm coming by our live show on November 20th, 7 p.m. Eastern time, twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Paranormal. Be ready to get into a trance state and find that enchantment, everyone. We will talk to you soon. Stay safe out there. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.